I'm Jen Rogers. Welcome to Yahoo Finance's podcast. Look for us on iTunes and don't forget to subscribe. Today I am joined by Andy Serwer. He is our editor-in-chief here at Yahoo Finance. And Andy, we are going to be talking retail right. today. I mean, you you can't live in the U.S. today and not feel that there is a major disruption happening in retail, whether it is walking by an empty storefront in your neighborhood, uh, reading about the Amazon and Whole Foods merger. It's everywhere. You were recently on a panel, the uh, RIS Retail Executive Summit. What stood out to you in this uh, panel? Well, I think you're right that you know change in this business is timeless, and it's been going on our entire lives. But Obviously, it's accelerating. The rate of change is accelerating this business. And of course, that's been brought on by the digital revolution. And what's really interesting to me is that it's so unpredictable. People can't even imagine um, what's going to happen. And they certainly haven't been very good at predicting what's happening. Obviously, there are huge trends like the demise of malls, like the rise of Amazon, but there's smaller stories as well, like the rise of fast fashion, which is working in retail, and a whole host of smaller retailers that are working both in the digital world and even in the real world. I mean, I think you're right about how fast this is moving. People expected that there was going to be some sort of retail revolution, but that it's here seems to have caught people off guard, even in the investment world. I think on the panel, I think it was you, you had an interesting thing to say about these um, retail stocks are just shorts waiting to happen. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I mean, and I think there's a bit of a timeless element to that, Jen, in that retail, in particular fashion retail, say, you know, uh, fashion for teenagers, um, is an extremely fickle business. So you see these stores, like a hot topic, you know, is is hot, and then it's less hot. Um, and it's very hard to sustain. You know, that's why things like The Gap um, and J. Crew were great success stories for a while, but of course now they're facing huge pressure as well. Yeah, look at uh, what's going on with J. Crew. Every now and then we get a, a good quarter from uh, The Gap. We see Amazon moving into clothing as well here, which uh, clothing and also groceries, obviously, with the Whole Foods deal. Amazon just seems like it is getting bigger and bigger here. Every time they gain, does somebody else lose? Is it a zero-sum game? I mean, to a great degree it is. And what's what's really interesting to me, and this is another change that wasn't predicted, um, you know, when Walmart first took hold in the United States and say, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, people realized it was having a devastating effect on the downtowns of small and medium cities and towns. Um, But then the towns fought back and realized, okay, we're going to have boutiques, and we're going to put in brick sidewalks and have different kinds of little shops, and people will want to go. And there seemed to be a period where, okay, Walmart came, and it was devastating, but we survived. But then came Amazon. And the whole reason for these boutiques sort of went away because, sure, the, the boutiques had stuff that wasn't carried at Walmart, but Amazon has everything. So that became a whole nother degree of difficulty for retailing and, and for towns and cities. And that changes, 
you know, not only how we shop, but how we live in America. It seems so quaint now to think about fighting against a Walmart coming to your town, right? Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, people would be like, right. we, we need a store. We yeah. just want some store. Uh, you were on the panel with Ed Ruma. He's an MD and retail analyst at KeyBank in New York. And he actually had some pretty interesting comments about the evolution of retail going back to the 1950s. Yeah. And I mean, he talks a lot about um, how this business has changed and and how stores have come and gone. Big department stores, right? Those local stores, many of them went out of business. And then we moved to the suburban mall of the 70s, right? Very few of those nameplates that existed in those downtown areas made the transition to the shopping center in the 70s and 80s. We think that we're in this next epoch Right, this next movement, and so many of these stores that you see in the power centers, in the in the shopping centers, will not make that leap. And I think it's something that that we think about um, certainly all the time. You talked a little bit about the teen retailers and how um, it's hard to sustain that, but millennials, and I guess I'm I'm not conflating them with teens. They are younger. They are so important in terms of their buying power. It's really undeniable. So how do retailers need to be thinking about the millennial generation? Like, what do they want from retailers? Well, first of all, they want things on mobile. And, you know, so you have to be a mobile first retailer. You always hear mobile first. What does that mean? But, you know, that's just table stakes now. Um, And if you are going to have a brick-and-mortar experience, it has to be an experience. Or it has to be, say, a showroom like Warby Parker, which is the glasses company. It's a digital, it's an online business, but they do have stores where you can go in. It's like a showroom where you Mm -hmm. can go in and try glasses, but all the commerce is done um, on the digital platform. A lot of people point to Starbucks as a company that has been doing well. I mean, I know they are not... um I mean, it's food, but they also, you know, they sell other stuff as well. But people are taking a lot of cues from them because they've done very well with mobile. Um, Mobile, I guess, I don't buy a lot on my phone unless I'm buying it from Amazon. Is the idea with mobile that we will be buying on our phone more or that we will be in physical stores and that the information that we're providing on our phone is important to these retailers? Like, what is it about mobile that's so important? Well, people in the real estate business hope it's the latter. In other words, they <laughs> hope that there are still stores because, I mean, and that's another business that's getting devastated by this retail revolution uh, is the real estate business. And just a tangent here, I mean, when Eddie Lampert bought Sears, it was, oh, it's actually a real estate play. The real estate's really, really valuable. Well, actually, it's not as valuable as he thought because there's no real demand for that real estate. In other words, the thinking was, well, some other retailer would want it. Well, there are no other retailers. Right. And now we're seeing people trying to make a play for, uh, you know, retailers space with Saks Fifth Avenue on, you know, on Fifth Avenue. Maybe the urban retailers are more of a real estate play. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Getting back to that mobile point, though, Jen, I, I think that, you know, you're right. I mean, this, the mobile, the screen is challenging for commerce. Um, it's small. You need your fingers. You've got to hit the right thing. The interface is not great. It's, you know, it sticks. It doesn't click. There's all these problems. That's one point. The other point is that engineers are working on that 
every day. Million, literally millions of engineers are working on that every day around the globe, making it better, the interface better. So it's getting better all the time. The immediacy of mobile is, I think, you know, just this revolutionary force in that, you know, like I see something, I want, I mean, you could be, you know, literally brushing your teeth, you know, maybe you're visiting your grandmother, you have this idea, a thought just comes to your head, and you can just right there You're like, I the, need shoes. In the bathroom at 8 a.m., buy your shoes. I mean, it's just what a staggering thing. I mean, I'm old enough to to know that that's just so I, I just couldn't even imagine that when I was growing up. I couldn't even imagine it. The retailer might know maybe they are going to be the ones that suggest it. They're going to say, oh, well, we can see that you have walk you 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 usually run this much over the course of 4 months so this is a time when your shoes run down and they can suggest it to you or you're at your grandmother's house as i just mentioned who happens to live in new hampshire and you're there in february and maybe you need boots yep or I mean, socks it, it's just exactly it's amazing and then this gets into all these issues of how much personalization and how much privacy and security and it's it's just a, 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 this dynamic world that's evolving right in front of us. Uh, Ed Ruma had some really interesting thoughts about this as well in terms of what it means more for the traditional retailers, sort of like what they're leaving on the table by not making this switch to mobile. I would just say one of the things that um, we see as a challenge in retail is understanding the consumer, right? In the e-commerce environment, Amazon knows everything that I've ever bought on Amazon, right? But you walk into a retail store, and unless you have a loyalty card, and it may, you know, we have some retailers that loyalty cards still a punch card, right? I mean, they, they know nothing, right? They're handing the consumer that discount and not getting anything back, right? So it's absolutely imperative that retailers understand who's walking in that door, what they're buying, what they're not buying, right? And to us, mobile is a component of that. There's some talk that there's this pendulum swinging. So first we saw you talked about the the main streets going away, and then we all went to the mall. And now we're leaving the mall, and there is this move to online, but there's also this move, and Goldman Sachs has talked about this, that maybe there's going to be sort of more mom-and-pop stores maybe popping up in the mall because rent is going to be very low, and maybe the main street kind of comes back. And this idea that there's need for authentic brands. People want something more from retail than just pushing a button that says buy and a package comes to you at your house. And it seems counterintuitive a little bit, but you guys talked about this on the panel. Why? What is this authentic brand need that we have? Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's worth noting that Anyone who says all retailing, all physical retailing is going away is, of course, wrong. Um, there will be stores. There are a lot of reasons for stores. Um, there, there are places that teenagers go to get away from their parents. Um, That's why we will still need movie theaters. Right. There, exactly. Very much so. <laughs> Even though Netflix right. and chill will happen, we need to have yeah. a movie theater. That's right. And, and, and say holiday shopping. I mean, you can do it all online, but... Still, there, you know, you maybe want to go to that Christmas store, which some people think are ridiculous ideas, the Christmas store, to buy ornaments for your tree. Uh, it just, and that speaks to these very singular experiences and brands and authentic brands. And there are a million, you know, there's, there's a million reasons why stores can exist. I mean, you look at, for instance, Home Depot and Lowe's. And, well, this is just lumber and, you know, 
and, and screws and bolts and boy, talk about some commodity stuff that you can buy online. Except what's the big thing there? The service there at those stores and people telling you, ah, you're building a shed in the backyard. You need this kind of roofing. Right. And, I love those people. Right. And, and come up and help me. And so it's called service. Yeah. It's called service. And, you know, that's something that the big department stores, when they got in this sort of death spiral, Jen, they cut back the service and cut back the service. And you're on your own. You walk in there and there's nary a salesperson in sight and you throw your hands up and leave. So there's that. And then there are real little brands out there that people love and, you know, um, companies that people really have an affinity towards. Ed Ruma talked about a company that I personally wasn't that familiar with before called Shinola, which seems to be doing some uh, right things. Uh, they're a watch company out of Detroit. Is that right? That's right. And, you know, what they did is they really sort of played off this, you know, Detroit's coming back and we're American made and we're authentic. And it's really resonated, you know, with you know, an audience that is both blue collar and high end, that you're taking pride in America and you don't have to buy a watch from Switzerland or Japan and you're helping the country. And so I, I think that, you know, that's working, at least for now. Here's uh, Ed Ruma talking a little bit about Shinola and authentic brands. Maybe one other thing I would say that's, that's really important in some of the work we see with, with millennials and Gen Z is they demand authenticity. Right? They, they demand this idea that this brand stands for something, that it affirms their values. Right? Uh, one brand that's, that's gotten a lot of press lately that we like is Shinola. Right? This is this idea, you know, born in Detroit, right, in the ashes of the collapse of the auto industry. It's crafted. It's people tell the story. And it's something that's not disposable. Right? All those things resonate, I think, with the millennial with, with, and, and certainly with Gen Z. And so, so brands have to have real authenticity and real meaning in, in, in the stories that they tell. An authentic brand for me, which I don't know if it is for other people, but it's a brand that I like and use a lot, is Costco. Uh, I feel that it's authentic because they do help me out when I'm there and they have like a, a work culture. When you and I were in Omaha, Nebraska for the uh, Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting, we got a chance to talk to Sue Decker. And she told us that she thinks that in the end there will be two retailers, Amazon and Costco, which has really stuck with me. How do you think the whole end game here looks? Well, a couple of interesting points. First of all, you kind of like that other companies. You said you like Costco. I know. You kind of like Amazon, I also Amazon like too, Amazon too. True too. So, yes, that's true. Okay. Yeah, full disclosure. Right. I mean, I, I yeah. shop at both that's, of them. Right. But, so I would be very happy if they yeah. both ended and, up and as And isn't the it last funny that they're, they're both based in Seattle? Um, what is it in the coffee out there? Yeah. Oh, that's a third company, Starbucks, which is also going to <laughs> right. be a survivor, and of course, they'll also be there based too, in but Seattle. Yes, but and, we're, and we're talking about buying everything, where you're going to go to get everything. And again, there'll be a million other retailers that will survive survive, small ones, small chains, large chains, convenience stores, 7-Eleven, which is now Japanese-owned, has come back, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But you're talking about a generalization that these are going to be the giants. And we haven't really even talked about Walmart, which I don't think, by the way, is going away and has made real strides um, online over the past 18 months. But it is interesting. You know, Costco, just supreme execution when it comes to the physical world. I mean, and, and not only, they have three constituents who are wildly happy, okay? Employees love working there. 
shareholders love the company and customers. And in fact, I saw this um, survey and they were number one. They were the highest in those three ratings overall. Of I any promise other you, I did not take the survey. Maybe you did. Um, Amazon um, is a tough place to work. Shareholders are delighted, however, and customers are generally happy. So, you know, who knows? I mean, Costco just does so many things right. Um, you know, you have to get in there. You can't just walk in. You have to be a member. So there's a little bit of a barrier to entry as a customer, I found. But once you're in, this is great. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you're right, Jim. Maybe those will be the two last Seattle stores standing. I stole that from Sue Decker. By the way, she's on the board of Costco and, and also... Berkshire Hathaway. And a former Yahoo executive. Uh, so to wrap it up, I do want to talk about Walmart because mm -hmm. uh, Walmart for so long dominated the retail discussion in this country, if not the world. And on the very day that Amazon announced its bid for Whole Foods, Walmart announced that it was buying Bonobos. So what does the Walmart look like, the Walmart of the future? Does it look a lot like Amazon? Does it look different? Is there anything like what's going to differentiate Walmart from Amazon since it seems to be moving more towards e-commerce? Well, Walmart is going to be more like Amazon than Amazon's going to be more like Walmart, right? In, okay. other, words, in other words, yeah. Walmart's going to go more online then Amazon's going to go into physical space. And we've seen Amazon in the physical space, but it's really just for show. I mean, it's a showroom. It's a branding, you know, those bookstores that they have. I mean, that's just a – they try everything. They do everything. I mean, you know, maybe they'll open up 100 of them. Maybe they'll close close the 15 down. I'm talking about Amazon stores. Right. Um, Walmart obviously has to get a lot bigger um, in digital. And as I mentioned, they're doing a pretty good job of it. The The – thing that they have, obviously, that Amazon doesn't have, is all those physical stores. And everyone always talks about, can you have a seamless experience from digital retailing into your physical stores? In other words, buy anything anywhere, return anything anywhere, order anything anywhere, and then leverage it maybe through a membership or affinity points. The more that you shop online at Walmart.com, you'll get a free thing, but you have to pick it up at the store. Right. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you can do things like that, um, you know, it could be pretty darn powerful. Um, I, I think that, you know, they're going to have issues with all those locations, though, over time. Um, you think they have too many locations and possibly too many employees? I mean, they they're they are the largest private employer in the United, in States. The United States. Yes. And, I, I you know, I think both those things are going to be called into question over the next five years. I'm not lost on them. But, um, you know, it's not like they're going to open up 300 stores in the United States and hire another quarter of a million people. I just, I just don't see that. I would see the trend going the opposite direction. And, you know, for every 100,000 people they get rid of, they hire 5,000 highly technical people to work in the digital business. It's, there's that kind of trade-off. Um, we're talking about macroemployment trends right now. But, you know, don't count Walmart out. And they've made great headway um, recently, and you know the stock reflects it. It's not exactly Amazon. And by the way, two of the richest families or entity or people in the United States is Jeff Bezos on the one hand from Amazon, and the Walton family uh, who control they still they control Walmart. They own about fifty percent of it. 
Um, so that's interesting, too. There's a lot of different parts of that narrative. It's so interesting to see all the families uh, dealing with this, even uh, reading about the Nordstrom family looking at possibly taking that company private. This is going to be a story that does not go away, and we're going to continue talking about it here at Yahoo Finance. Thanks so much, Andy Serwer, the editor-in-chief of Yahoo Finance. Sounds like that was a great panel, RAS Retail Executive Summit. I'm Jen Rogers, and you've been listening to our Yahoo Finance podcast. Look for us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe to us. 